The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Joanne Mercier. Hello, Joanne. Hello, hello. So I, I, I kind of think we should have done this episode at Halloween because we're making a, <laughs> a Frankenstein monster of a computer Ooh. today. But uh, no, yes. no, well, we're doing this, uh, recording this in the, the spring of 2020 when it's, well, it's all kinds of frightening stuff going on anyway, so maybe that works. So let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, uh, our first segment uh, is going to be, de- it's a little different from our usual thing. We're going to be talking to Father Corey, who's right here with mm-hmm. us, about a project that you've recently completed. Uh, that uh, is something that I've looked at for many years and thought that could be really cool, but I'm a little intimidated. So um, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. Father Corey, what is it that you've actually uh, done uh, in in your home office? So uh, admittedly, I recommended this this segment so I could brag about my new toy. But, um, (laughs) you know, all all three of us, all three of us here are sitting in front of Macintoshes of one sort or another. Actually, I've got my my new webcam sitting on top of my old MacBook Pro, but we're all we're all Macintosh fans. And one thing I've wanted to do for a very long time was build a Hackintosh. Now, a Hackintosh, kind of a little history lesson about Macs. You know, of course, Macs came out in 1984, I think it was, you know, the famous 1984 commercial and all that. Right. And those were very proprietary systems. But as they went on, eventually Apple moved over to the Intel platform, the, the what's commonly known as the Wintel platform, because of course it was always Windows. And that was big uproar at the time, but then all Mac users suddenly went, but our machines actually run better, so never mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some of us weren't so Intel- upset. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden they're like, hey, actually our systems are better and they're actually a little bit cheaper than they were when they weren't the PowerPC platform. Never mind. We like this. So, but when they did that, a lot of their chips that they use now on Macintoshes to this day are off-the-shelf hardware. I mean, right. they're using an off-the-shelf CPU with the, the Intel i5, i7, i9 platform. They use off-the-shelf uh, video cards, video chips, off-the-shelf USB chips, all the little chips that run your computer. All the hardware is off-the-shelf now. Of course, custom-made by Apple now. Some you know, of it is, so, yeah. You know, a lot of it is, you know, like, they custom-make their own motherboards. Right. But all the chips on the motherboard, by and large, are off-the-shelf thing. The webcam that you use on your MacBook Pro is an off-the-shelf webcam that's just been remade for Apple, things like that. So that means, first of all, that you can run Windows on a Mac now, which, you know, with Boot Camp is very easy. But the other way works as well. There are ways to install Mac OS on a system that is does not have the Apple logo on it. Uh, much to, at the time, Steve Jobs and now... Uh, uh, the other, see, I forgot, Tim, Tim, Cook. Tim Cook, Yeah, much to their chagrin. They don't rather like that very much. Uh, but I, I did it, first of all, because I wanted to. I just flat out wanted to. I wanted to build sure. a new system, you know, assemble for the parts and put it together and build this system and be able to run both Windows and Mac on it and build it to my specifications. Because one thing that you get, of course, when you buy something from Apple you get Apple specifications. You get a system that's built to how Apple wants the system built. And I'm not, I wasn't gaining for a market that they want. You know, they want, they want the, the tech people. They want the creative people. They want the business people. They really don't put out a system for gamers. Right. Like if you want to play a top line game, you might be able to. You know, I could buy, go and buy a brand new Mac Mini or iMac, and it probably would run pretty well. Um, for games, but it's not specialized for games. It doesn't have quite the, the processor power, the, the uh, graphics power for some of the newer top-of-the-line games. So I want to build a system that I could eventually get to being a top-of-the-line system and start out pretty close, and also a system that I can upgrade. Um, with this system, I can 
build it parts. I can add parts. Like right now, I don't have a dedicated video card in it. It's the, the video system that's on the Intel chips, Intel processors. I don't know if people realize this now, but Intel processors actually come with video cards built in. Right. Basically. Wow. So, and that's what your Latin, you know, run in the mill MacBook Pro runs on, Mac Minis run on the, that video chip too. So it all works the same as this. But later I can add a top of the line or, you know, a halfway decent horsepower video card to it and really bump up my specs. A um, couple of years down the road, I decide, hey, I'm on the ninth edition, the ninth generation of the i7. I want to move to the 10th or even 11th. Okay, I can replace my motherboard and processor and move up to that next step. That's stuff you can't do with the Apple hardware, but you can with the Hackintosh. So that's why I did it. Okay. And uh, how did you go about doing this? Like, and you know, what, how did you figure out how to do it? And then, uh, you know, and and the the process, uh, the parts you just, you don't have to get in too much technical detail, but just in general, how did you figure out what you needed to do? And where did, where did you go to find out? And what parts did you choose? How did you choose the parts that you ended up using? Well, so there, you know, like many of these techie uh, cultures, there's, or groups, there's, there are, there are communities that have really grown up around supporting this process. You know, just like Linux was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was a, you know, Linux support group of people online. Well, now there's Hackintosh support pages uh one's called tony mac tony mac x86 and one's called insanely mac and these are people who they develop the software you need to do to do you need to to make the hackintosh to install mac os and make it run on this system they they help out with here's hardware to recommend hardware uh tony mac x86 has a whole page of here's current spec hardware for catalina i'm running catalina on this system the latest greatest version of mac os Here's current spec hardware that we know will work on that version of Mac OS. Hmm. Here's what, you know, here's what you need to buy. Of course, it's got links to Amazon and Newegg. Newegg, if you're not familiar to it, is basically, it's like, it, it's basically, it's like Amazon, but it specializes in computer and computer components. Right. That's kind of their, their main market. Uh, so, you know, I went to that site, looked up information, looked up the specs of, uh, like, what does Mac OS support? Because Apple builds Mac OS to support their hardware. So what chips do they use in their hardware? Oh, they use the i7. Okay, well, you know that Intel. You know, AMD processors don't run Mac OS because they're, they're for Intel. Um, they use this ver- version of uh, this version of the, you know, uh, front and side bus the, you know, for the, one of the chips that supports the processor. Okay, I can get a motherboard that does that. They use these graphics. Okay, they use onboard graphics. We can do that, and so on. So I found a motherboard. Uh, it's an Asus motherboard. Uh, it's a little bit older. It's a couple a year or two old, which is good because then it's more supported. There actually was on one of those sites, that Tony Mac site, there was actually a, a forum page that showed, okay, I've got this exact motherboard. Here's how I made it work. Boom, 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 right down the list. So I've got the, the, you know, the Intel 9700K, i7 9700K processor, which is the, up, the overclock, uh, overclockable processor. That's another thing you can't do in Mac. You can't overclock their processors. Mm. They're locked. But you can on this thing. You know, so I can, right now I'm running it at, spot, at stock speed, but eventually I can boost that up. Put 64 gigs of memory in it. Um, Apple wants a a thousand dollars upgrade any of their Macs to 64 gigs. It cost me three hundred dollars. Two one terabytes uh, SSDs, one for Windows, one for Mac. I got a two terabyte hard drive. I've got a case that would send Johnny Eyes back into his little white room and never come out because it's <laughs> not aluminum. It's glass and plastic and leds and leds and more leds <laughs> the fans are all led fans i mean it looks cool but it is not apple spec yeah uh so and then i you know and i had to, one problem i actually had is uh i needed a webcam <laughs> so i had to go buy a webcam too right because because i was been using my macbook pro for the webcam and then i've got a actually I don't know if you heard in the background, but the doorbell just rang. That was UPS delivering my second monitor. I've, I've had a second monitor I've used with my MacBook Pro 
well, now I needed another monitor. So I think that was UPS just dropping it off outside. So nice. I'll have to go get that after we're done here. If you don't mind me asking, how much would it does it cost to build a machine to the spec? I mean, you're going, it's a, you, you've got a, as you said, a pretty high end machine comparatively. Yeah. The specs are yeah. you know, pretty high. So how much would someone pay, you know, have to pay to, to get all this equipment? So what I, what I paid, and I'm not going to count monitors, um, because like I said, one monitor that I'm sitting here with right now, I had, I've had for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really count. The other one I just, I just ordered, but everything here, except the monitors, the keyboard and the mouse is right at about $2,000. Okay. Which is a good size chunk of change. Now that's what I also paid for the MacBook pro that's sitting here. Right. I was going to say, when you compare that to other Macs, that's actually a a pretty, really reasonable price. Well, I, I spec'd out a Mac mini, which would be the comparable hardware of course my my tower is much bigger than a mac mini but a comparable mac mini with comparable specs is about twenty nine hundred dollars so this is two-thirds of the cost of a mac mini and oh by the way it's a much larger system with a lot more expandability a lot more upgradability um comparable imac would be is also very similar about three thousand dollars so yeah i mean it it uh it is cheaper to do it this way it's, it's just not easier. Right. It's just harder <laughs> to do. So how hard was it? Like, was, did you run into a lot of trouble? Did you, was, or did it just all snap together and install the OS and boot up? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, assembling the system, which I had done before. I, I've built a number of computers way back when. I mean, this is back in the, you know, the Pentiums and the AMDs, in, uh, Athlon 64 eras, you know, way back when. So assembling the system itself, putting it in the case and putting all the parts together and everything, that was, that was pretty simple. That, that's something, you know, I've done that a bunch of times. Um, getting Mac OS, getting Windows on there, of course, was a snap. Because this was a system that was, you know, Windows is designed for this kind of system. Sure. Putting Mac on there was a little bit difficult. It took me a couple of tries because, like I said, I found a forum post on that Tony Mac that showed this exact motherboard with the i9 processor instead of the i7 processor. Not a problem. Except I didn't do things right the first time. I got kind of confused because you, you had to go through this step tells you, okay, here's how you set up the BIOS to run. And then you got to go over to this form page and do these steps. And you come back to this form page. You know, it wasn't, it's, yeah. you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. It was, there was some jumping around and I got a little confused. So then I had to back up, redo my USB key. You know, you had to use the USB flash key and to install Mac OS and, you know, redo the flash key, get it set up with the right programs and everything. And then it went, Slick is everything. Okay. And once I got the steps right, after much grumbling and complaining and saying words that aren't fit for air, um, <laughs> then it just went on. And now it runs absolutely beautifully. It just, it runs as if it's on a new Mac, right. you know, a new Apple hardware. How does it compare in performance to, uh, have you run any like a Geekbench on that? I did. I did. I did run Geekbench. Um, and it actually compares for the multi-core score. It's about a, a thousand points faster than that comparable Mac mini. I talked about the $2,900 uh, Mac mini. Yeah. Yeah. The $2,900 Mac mini and it prices out to, or it's uh, again, it's multi-core specs sit right about a, a top of the line MacBook pro 15 inch, 16 inch. Okay. Right in that spot. So it. So you, you. It's got some power. It's got some horsepower. And this is still the stock speed of the chip. I haven't overclocked this thing yet. Hmm. Interesting. You know, so this is just running as Intel intended, right now. And in case people don't understand, I should reiterate what you said before about overclocking. That is, when they make chips, they usually can run faster than advertised. But mm-hmm. but in order to but but. There are variances in production and not in. So some will are more capable of doing that than others that yeah. some have a higher top end than others do. And so they just artificially limit them to the max safe speed. But well, it's, it's, but if you if you're willing to, you can push them a little more. If you, know, if you got the ability yeah. in your case, you can push them to run a little faster, a little faster. that gets more power out of them, but it also makes them run yep. a little hotter. So you have to make sure you have extra cooling and that sort of stuff. Exactly. And I've, I've got a monster monster heatsink the thing sits 
what, two foot tall? Two foot tall. <laughs> I mean, this thing is huge. I mean, this thing is a monster. Wow. But, um, well, maybe not quite that tall, but it, it, it's, it's fairly, for, it barely fits in the case. And the case was designed for, you know, a bigger cooler and everything. But it, it's interesting because, you know, if you've been involved in computers, in hardware computers, you, you've heard overclocking since, you know, the, the 90s. Yeah. You know, the 486s, the Pentiums were great for overclocking and all that. Well, now they've got them so that some systems overclock, some won't. And when they talk about the, the speed of the processor, like mine's a 3.6 gigahertz processor, that's the bottom line right? that this processor will run on. It'll boost faster as it's running, you know, as more demand is put on it. Well, the advantage of an overclocking chip is I can say, no, that bottom 3.6. No, I want that bottom at 4.6. Right. So that processor will never run slower than 4.6. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's different than what it used to be because overclocking used to be you've got this 33 megahertz chip. I'm going to boost it. I'm going to double its speed. This could be now 66. Yeah. Well, now, now the way proce- modern processors are so wild the way they handle. Them. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. So do you have any concerns about, you know, system updates when, when oh, the Mac OS updates, mm-hmm. system updates, compatibility with software, any concerns with that? That's, that's been an issue in the past. Uh, I know with major releases of Mac OS, and actually I think I timed this about perfectly because of course Catalina is like on its fourth minor update. Right. So it's been out long enough that any bugs they, that might've cropped up, anything that Apple might've done generally not on purpose. Apple isn't trying to cripple Hackintosh. Like I don't think they like it. I don't think they agree with it. But, but they're so also f- not trying to cripple it. There's probably so few people doing it that it's not a huge hit on the bottom line. No, they they don't they don't care. And 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 many people. The first step with a Hackintosh is to use an actual Mac to download the software you need. Right, you right. can't do it off of a Windows machine. So right. you still have to have access to some Apple hardware somewhere. But there have been problems in the past where a major release of macOS came out, and it's been about it would be about a month or so before the the Hackintosh community can kind of catch up and fix whatever happened and move on to the next step. So that is a concern. So like any updates for macOS, I'm going to be kind of lagging behind a little bit until I'm sure that it's okay to go to the next level. Yeah, that happens to those of us running Mac hardware already. Yeah, True. <laughs> yeah they me, break their own stuff. <laughs> it took me six months to upgrade to Catalina on my Mac. So yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I my my macbook pro i I waited a little while till i knew all my hardware was good or my software was good any regrets or anything you would have done differently um i don't think so i mean i mean there there probably i probably would have looked at other hardware but i'm actually very happy with the hardware choices i made the prices i made i i wanted to keep this low end and i kind of thought about it for a while no uh because i originally i'd wanted to keep it at the 1200 dollar level gee i wonder why i chose that number this time <laughs> you know during this season. Yeah. yeah that sounds familiar <laughs> you know but it um but then i decided as i went along I'm like no if i'm gonna build this i need to build this long term yeah. you know and the idea is even if i don't upgrade this system i can see myself using this in five years okay and still be happy using it in five years and that was the biggest thing and you can upgrade parts you know, that's and I can upgrade quite a bit of it. Yeah, and that's the biggest deal. Any lessons for others? You know, uh, you know, who mm-hmm. who should who should consider doing this and who should definitely not do something like this? I would I would say if you don't feel comfortable assembling your own computer, meaning buying the parts, buying the case, buying the motherboard, buying the power supply, buying the processor, right. all these parts that you put into a computer. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, I would recommend not because you got to like I said, you got to do the research to figure out what chips are available out there off the shelf motherboards that Apple uses. Right. You know, and that is a complication. And if you're not comfortable enough with knowing how the computer goes together, you're not going to know what video chip do I have? What, you know, what this, what that, how's this going to work? What do I, what settings do I got to use as I'm installing the software? Right. Um, If you feel comfortable tweaking windows, you might be okay with it. If you just if you're flat out willing to do the troubleshooting and like, you know what, I'm going to do follow the steps and install it. Go for it. If you can install you know, again, if you can assemble your own computer, you can find pre-built systems like laptops and pre-built desktop systems that will run Hackintosh just fine. They're out there. But again, you got to do the research. Well, my question is for somebody like me who likes to dabble, but you know, is this above my level or do I even need something like this? You, you are an admitted gamer. 
So yeah. that that's what you built this for. I think the most I would ever be doing is either editing video and audio. Mm-hmm. So would I be better off not, unless I feel like it, get into the labor intensiveness of something like this? <laughs> you know, and honestly, I, I would say it depends. I did it because as much hobby as, you know, because I could have I could have ordered that top of the line Mac mini and been fine with it. I could order that top of the line Mac, you know, iMac and been fine with it or even maybe a scaled down one, you know, one that was more in the $2,000 price range. But I wanted to play. And I think you, you know, you would you're you're what you're talking about is the things that Apple really focuses on. They want, like I said, the creatives, they want the people who are doing the video editing, the audio editing. They want the people who are doing the the. The, the photography, you know, uh, layout, uh, design, Photoshop and yeah, stuff right. like All that, that stuff, you yep. know, they, you know, and they want the tech people and they want the average business user, you know, the average person who's going to use it for doing, you know, Microsoft office and email and surfing the internet and things like that. And they build their hardware around that, right. that it does that well. But like I said, it's, if, if you want to get into things like the three, some of the 3D modeling, it's not so good. Some of the, again, the 3D video games, it's not so good mm. because they don't build them for that. Unless you want to get the Pro, and I'm not talking about MacBook Pro. I'm talking about <laughs> the Mac the Pro. iBook Pro, <laughs> iPro, you know, iMac Pro and the Mac Pros, you know, the ones yeah. that are $4,000 and up. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I think if, if you're the sort of person who hears this and says, that sounds like fun, that would probably, this is probably something to think you're about. You're the ones. Yeah. Yeah. You're the one that would do it. If, if, if everything I just described, how I did it and everything, and I, I went very quickly. I mean, there's, you look at those websites and they've got the tools there to do it that make it pretty simple as far as it goes. But if you look, listen to all this stuff where I'm describing the parts and everything, you're going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. And also keep in mind that if you do this, you, you can't take it to the Apple store. <laughs> you know, you're, no. you're, you're pretty much on your own uh, for troubleshooting and fixing problems. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the, the nice thing, too, with something like this, and if nothing else, if you build the system and it doesn't work on Mac, you can still just put Windows on it. <laughs> exactly. True. <laughs> It'll still run Windows beautifully. So you know? <laughs> we'll put a couple links in the show notes to the TonyMacX86.com and then SanleyMac.com. Uh, and maybe I can get Father Corey to, to give us a picture of his of his new Hackintosh we could put in. There I will with, do that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll send that to, to Dom afterwards. It's, okay, uh, that'd be fun. It's pretty. Yes. It's pretty. It's just not Tom, Johnny Ives pretty. It's not Johnny Ives pretty. <laughs> it's it's uh, crazy. Uh, uh, what, uh, what's the movie? Uh, you know, um futuristic movie crazy uh pretty yeah exactly <laughs> all right that's awesome well thanks father cory for sharing that with us we <laughs> we appreciate that uh so our next segment i want to talk about uh something else that's that's in in the news is a a question that's sort of come up and it's an interesting question given uh discussions we've had especially with joanne uh, who's a cord cutter uh, is will the pandemic finally kill cable TV. And I thought this was very interesting because you'd think with everybody stuck at home, everybody'd be spending more time watching TV and not, you know, going out to restaurants and clubs and bars or whatever. Uh, But it turns out that cable TV subscriptions are dropping like a rock, Uh, but Mm. streaming services are picking up. And so the question is why? And and it's the question is the, as the headline says, is this the end of cable, as at least as a service where you watch TV and not a pipe for the Internet? So what do you guys think of this? I hope so. <laughs> My honest answer. Uh, but now having said that, I will admit myself that I have not. I don't think my television or streaming watching has gone up since we've started this quarantine experiment. Um it just it's just me. But I think what's happening is most people are now home and they're looking at their options, number one. Yep. And number two, they're not afraid to try something. If half of them are on Zoom, then and they can figure that out. And then the other half are trying to have figured out FaceTime and, you know, how to watch Netflix on the computer. They're starting to look for other things. And I think that streaming is becoming very, very um, attractive. Right. And with and I think Sling was giving it away at one point for a whole month and they went back to 14 days. You know, some of them were starting to entice you with try us for like three weeks and see. And I think people did that and they went, wait a minute, I could pay for this. And I've already got a lot of the equipment. If I have if you have an Apple TV or a Roku, you're halfway there. Right. Um, 
so I think people are just discovering it because they've got the time to discover it. And and I really mm-hmm. hope so. I now admittedly I have to tweak our system, but we can't get a Verizon Fios man in here or woman because they're not coming to the houses right now. Oh yeah. And mm. in order for me to go from 100 meg, 100 up and down to 400, I need somebody to come in and tweak the box. Uh, so mm. I'm, I'm on a waiting list, but with two of us in the house running two offices or three um, at one time, you know, we've had to make some adjustments, but you know, people are going to find that out too. All of a sudden, the TV's buffering, and it's like, nah, we got to get more power in here. Yeah. Yep. So, but I think that's what's happening. I think people are just home and discovering it, and their friends are telling them you should have done this, and now they're looking into it. How about you, Father Corey? What do you think? I you know I I, I kind of think that's interesting. I, I, it's a it's a something that's been going on with cable TV long before this, and maybe this is that that emphasis. You know, especially you know people have lost their jobs or at least they're, they're on hiatus from their jobs and they're not being paid. And they're looking at that hundred dollar, dollars $200 cable bill going, I can't afford this. But like you said, they can go to sling and Hey, this is 50 bucks. Right. And mm-hmm. it's got the channels I watch anyways, because I don't watch all 5,000 channels on my cable system. I watch one or two, or they're finding things like Pluto TV where no, it's not the traditional cable channels, but it is, you know, classic doctor who, streaming 24 hours a day on one channel and the cops channel and this channel and all the shows I want to watch. Anyways, I could sit and binge them for like a day for free, you know, know, and there's stuff like that. One of the things that's probably a a big part of this too is, is a lot. I know a lot of people, myself included. One of the reasons we've kept cable, two things. One thing is uh, news, which you're now able to get, online in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but sports and we have no sports right now <laughs> and people are right. people are realizing i'm paying for all of these sports channel stuff and this i'm not going to watch classic games from the 80s you know instead yeah. <laughs> of new new games i'm sorry that's just not a thing for me so uh, it's very interesting that, you know without sports i think people are starting to go why am i paying like you said, 160 bucks, $200 a month for all of these cable channels. And I, I could spend half that on, you know, so I could for 50 bucks for the, the uh, internet pipe and then another 50, 60, 70 bucks for streaming services of various stripes. And Universal, you know, through the bomb in the middle of the room with releasing, I guess, what is the Trolls? Right. World world tour. Right. Directly to streaming. So now mm. others are doing that too, like Hamilton coming to a Disney Plus near you on July <laughs> yeah. 3rd, um, which some of us are very happy about. But I think that's the kind of thing too. I think movie theaters are also in trouble. Yeah. Because, mm. you know, movie studios now are going to be looking at is it worth me going, worth us sending it to a movie house or is it yep. worth us sending it straight to streaming? Right. We, we actually talked uh, uh, at length about the, the, uh, the theater, movie theater problem last week. And, and, you know, is it our job to prop up the movie theater business? You know, there, there are benefits to going to a theater at, for certain big events. But, mm-hmm. you know, it does, is it in the, in the best interest of the, the uh, movie industry or the consumer to prop up the the middleman of the movie theater, and that's right. you know it's a it's a it's an interesting question. I think with well, with this with the cable TV networks, um, uh, the the cable TV uh, companies like Comcast and Verizon and whatnot, I I think the writing has been on the wall for them for a long time. I think a lot of people have been abandoning the services, right. and I think this just current situation has accelerated it. And I think people mm-hmm. are, are really – I have CBS All Access. I have all of CBS content. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I have CBS All Access because I want to star, star Trek. And, you know, it turns out that was a pretty brilliant idea on the part of CBS because I would never mm-hmm. have subscribed to CBS All Access if, well, not, now, if not for that. And now they're going to rebatch it now that the CBS and Paramount have – or Viacom have remerged. They're going to – rebadge CBS All Access because they're bringing all the Paramount movies right. over. So, I mean, it, it's, um, and that's, that's kind of my thought, too, is I think a lot of people, too, are saying, you know, we don't need classic TV as we understand it, where you tune to a channel and watch whatever's on that channel. Yeah, we've got DVR, but 
We've got better. We've got a la carte. Right. We've got Netflix. We've got Hulu. We've got Disney Plus. We've got CBS All Access. Which are kind of like channels, though, that you're not paying for individually. You watch what you want, when you want, and how you want. Exactly. You're not tied down to 7 p.m. NCIS is going to watch. No, I'll just right. wait till the next day and watch it on CBS All Access. That's at true. 10 o'clock in Un- the afternoon. Unless the show warrants itself, because I still watch, okay, American Idol. And right. that yeah. needs to be watched live if you're voting. Well, sure. Okay. Sure. sure. So, but other stuff like I just binge watched seven episodes of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is a wonderful show, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it got better after the middle of the middle of the season hump slump but uh but i binge watch that at my convenience because i got wrapped up in the storyline so it depends on you know with having to be able to do what you want when you want is a lot better and then there's always you can record it and save it for later save it for nine months if you have youtube tv yeah well it's then you know the nice thing is like with with star trek here's example both discovery and picard Mm. you know they would come out on thursday but you didn't have to be sitting there at the TV at 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. or 10 in the morning on Thursday to watch the show. You just knew that Thursday you could sit down at some time and watch the new episode. Right. That's true. And we, 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 we do that as a family. We'd like, say, The Mandalorian. It would come out on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And at some point Friday afternoon after the kids finished their schoolwork, we'd sit down as a family and watch it. And it was we watch it together as a family because it's at a time when the whole family from oldest to youngest is is available to do that it was a it was a mm-hmm. good time for that that's that's the sort of thing that these new that the these services can do that the traditional tv can't just can't and one other thing you can turn them on and off if yeah. you need to pour i'm like the handmaid's tale for example on hulu we don't know when that's going to come out now because everything's right. been delayed so i'm considering mm-hmm. pausing my hulu account and not paying that, you know, not paying the five ninety five a month until it comes back, and then you just turn it on. Yep. Nobody has to come to your house. Nobody has to rebundle your your stuff. It, mm-hmm. You <laughs> just turn it on and turn it off as you like it. I right. think this is. It, I think people are finding the convenience of it. You're not tied into a contract like you are with cable nope. companies. You, know, nope. you pay for you pay for CBS All Access for one month, binge all the Picard, you end the subscription yep. when you're done watching it, and. Wait till the next season. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wonder, though, if if the cable companies will figure it out like the phone companies did, which have basically ended they, they've ended the contract, the, the phone, the uh, the cell phone companies, you know, where, where on the phone, you know, you, you're locked mm-hmm. in for two years. You, you can now write by your phone. And there's they've, there's other ways that they get you. But ending the lock in was a, a net boon. And part of it was because Apple sort of forced their hand uh, with selling the phones direct in the way that they've done it. Uh, I wonder if if the cable companies will figure that out before they go the way of the dodo. That'll be interesting. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to our, our next uh, segment where we got a bunch of different headlines and uh, some interesting ones. <laughs> I love this first one uh, because mm. it's so, I sort of sympathize with both sides. And here's the story. Uh, Wink is a smart home hub. Uh, there are others out there, but they're, they're like like Samsung smart smart thing. But Wink was a, a a fairly well known name within the smart home community, not maybe generally known. Anyway, the way that it worked is is uh, you could buy the hub and then you'd hook it up and it was yours to own and everything that connected to it worked. Well, Wink is now the company is in trouble. They're financially in trouble. They're not they're not you know surviving very well, and so they've decided and announced with one week's notice. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> that everyone who's a Wink user has to sign up for a five dollar per month subscription, uh, as of today, as we record this, in fact, uh, or you lose access to the devices in your home. And and the, you know, I, I understand the the users are there. You can imagine how mad they are. Like I bought this device, it worked for a month, and suddenly you're going to turn it off, even though yeah. I own this device. But on the other hand, I could look at the the company and say, you know, the the problem was trusting that you buy once and then the cloud service would be there forever. And I think that's mm-hmm. a warning I want to give to anyone for any mm-hmm. any device, anything you buy. You, you'd never if you buy a device and it it depends on a cloud service and you're not paying on a regular basis to maintain that cloud service, this will eventually happen to you. 
It's just, yep. it, just companies cannot survive uh, because that's otherwise it's a it's a it's a sort of Ponzi scheme where the mm-hmm. company is 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 relying on being able to sell additional devices to more and more people. Well, that that stream right. is going to run out at some point. There will be mm-hmm. they're just not going to have more people to sell it to. Yeah, they have to have some other source of income. You know, I mean, look at look at Amazon with the Echo devices, things like that. Yeah, they sell them to you cheap. Right. Because they know that you're going to use their shipping service to buy yeah. more things. You're subsidizing that, that with the, all your purchases through Amazon in various ways and including your same prime subscription. Prime yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's it's the same thing with uh, there was another product that was like this where uh, Google bought it and then was just, and shut it down. They just shut down the servers. And now enterprising users, it was a different different product. I what it was called. Uh, they figured out a way to uh, set up. Uh, cloud so- uh, crowdsourced cloud servers and mm. and reprogrammed the DNS, you know, the, the pointer in the device to point at the new crowdsourced server. And so they, you know, certain numbers of people could keep it running, but it was a very hacky, techy thing to do. Right. It was, it's not for everyone. So, um, so I think that that's what's, what's the lesson here, I guess. I think a week's notice is kind of, it's kind of <laughs> scummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of scummy. I mean, give people a little bit of time to to adjust and believe. And now, especially during this time where everybody's been pivoting right, left and sideways in all other areas. Now you're going to shut somebody's service off. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, Yeah, I think I think Wink is I think it's it's very bad for them to do this. I don't don't think it's at all um, right for them to, to shut people off with such short notice. Um, but it's hard to blame blame them for wanting to to charge for a service that had been free. Well, and it, it's I think it's also a lesson of you should have backup plans. You know, yeah, yeah, you might have a Dropbox server, but and I know Dropbox is doing well. Dropbox yeah. isn't going anywhere anytime in the near future, but it could. Right. You know, same thing with Google. Same thing with Apple. Any same company. thing with Microsoft. Right. You know, any company could all of a sudden have a bad run, and next thing you know, they're gone, and all your data went with it. Right. You know. So yes. Have backup plans. Yep. And don't be reliant on any one single company. I mean, I have a lot of different um, devices in my home, like smart home devices, and like. But, but, I mean, if I, if Philips Hue went out of business and somehow that shut down my lights i mean phillips is one of the biggest companies in the world so it's unlikely yeah, but it's you know, if they anywhere. did uh i'd have to probably replace the bulbs but i could go buy bulbs just like regular dumb bulbs and put them in and use light switches again uh, it wouldn't be a huge it would be annoying and, and a little bit of an expense mm-hmm. but it wouldn't like be a, a disaster but if i if i use a cloud uh, company to store say all of my family photos and that's the only place they existed mm-hmm. That would be bad. That's a problem. That that's yep. a that's another uh, good uh, caveat is don't put all your uh, cloud eggs in one cloud basket. Redundancy, <laughs> redundancy. Yes, the yep. Department of Redundancy Department. So mm-hmm. uh, our next headline is uh, actually again a cable company. Uh, this is uh, Comcast. So if you mm-hmm. if you're a Comcast subscriber, you know that uh, when you're out and about with your device, you can use Comcast has public Wi-Fi for semi-public wi-fi for its customers um, you'll see these xfinity wi-fi hotspots and you can get on them and some of them are are in business places and they're owned by comcast but in neighborhoods you'll sometimes see them and what that is is if you're a comcast cable customer your router does two things it it does wi-fi for you privately but it has a second uh network on it uh, or Wi-Fi network on it that's for the public access, so people can jump onto that, and it does. They can't see your data; it's totally separate, and all that sort of thing. It is using your bandwidth, so there is some questions of whether that's good for you or not. Well, mm-hmm. the there are these senators who want Comcast to open up all of its uh, Xfinity public Wi-Fi hotspots, including in people's homes, to school kids to use while they're stuck at home during the pandemic. And Comcast says, I don't think, I think that might put, uh, that might harm our customers. What do you think? What do you guys think of this? Should they be opening this up or are they right? Well, in little old Rhode Island, the mobile carriers opened up their, the personal hotspots to everybody. Now this is normally, some of us have it in our contracts where, or some of it in our, or I shouldn't say contracts, but in our deals that we get a hotspot and we get about 10 gig a month. 
but they've mm. opened up the they've opened it all up to everybody in the state through June 30th and it doesn't mm. seem to be clogging up the works and I don't think a lot of people are taking I don't know I'm not taking advantage of it even though I don't have any kids in the house to you know to stream everything but I think for certain occasions like this in order for the kids to get to be able to do their work sometimes all you have in your house is a phone that you can put connect to your Chromebook. Well, that's what some of these families have and that's right. what they need. So th this is a little different. This isn't hotspot. This isn't hotspot through your phone. So what this would be, I just to clarify. So if, if I, if, if I'm a, a Comcast cable customer and I have a router, Comcast router mm -hmm, in my home mm -hmm. that does Wi-Fi, uh, it broadcasts my home, my family Wi-Fi network. And it's like Bettinelli Wi-Fi, let's say there's also on the same router uh, that's connected to the cable in the wall. Uh, that same router is also broadcasting a second Wi-Fi network called Xfinity mm -hmm. Public. And okay. and if my neighbor doesn't have cable, doesn't have broadband, say, uh, they th under this plan, they would be allowed to jump onto that Xfinity Public Wi-Fi network from next door and use that for free. Now, under the current system, they would have to already be a Comcast customer to get on mm -hmm. there. They would need their Comcast right. user ID. So it's usually for people who are away from home and out and about to get onto the internet without using their, you know, their phone as a hotspot. This is a way to get on a Wi-Fi network. So uh, it's really intended for people who don't have broadband at home. And like, like you say, are usually relying on their phones to get on. Mm -hmm. This is a way for people to, to use a, a, a faster, more reliable system a broadband system that doesn't cost them anything but uh but comcast says hey look you know we're already waiving data caps in which they have They're, they've they said that they've waived all data caps for uh, for the for the time being um they've offered free internet for 60 days to new low-income customers which you know it 60 days you know it's <laughs> that means people have to commit to a service that they may not you know, or or cancel we all know how easy it is to cancel your cable uh mm -hmm. you know at that point um but they 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 they're saying um opening up the residential wi-fi routers uh is is a step too far it's asking too much of them i think my my concern would be on a security level just allowing anybody else on my because i, I right. believe if i remember right that this 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 Xfinity guest account or whatever it is can be shut down yes. where you can decide I am a, you know, I'm an Xfinity subscriber and I don't want anybody else to be able to walk in here. Who's an Xfinity subscriber to do it. And I would do that. I personally, I, right. now we don't have Comcast out here. We've got a local telephone co-op that handles our internet, but it's, I would feel very uncomfortable with allowing anybody on my router that I don't know. And I guess my thought too is, you know, well, if these senators think it's such an important thing, they're they're quick to throw money at the problem. Why don't they throw some money at Comcast and say, now will you let them on? But that's right. just my cynicism. It's like it's easy for them to just tell this company you do it, or otherwise we're going to make you look bad in media. It's a little harder to say, okay, we're going to put money to make sure because I I can understand to some extent the the potential congestion. I just see more of you know like from a home user, I wouldn't want you on my router either, anyways. Well, would, is this second router type of thing, um, second channel, or like a guest channel that we would have? Um, it's on a it's even system? more separate. It, it's it's, it's even like more it's separate. A, it's a second Wi-Fi network. It's on yep. the same hardware, and mm -hmm. and so it's using the the same radios, but it's a separate mm -hmm. channel. Um, it, it's a, it's a virtual private net, or virtual not virtual private network, but a virtual LAN, VLAN they call it. Yes. Okay. Would there be any? Would a good hacker be able to jump from one to the other? In theory. In theory. In theory. There's always I the mean, chance. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know of any cases where that's been done. But if they can get if they can get access to your hardware somehow, or get mm -hmm. access to your network somehow, even if it's through this virtual LAN. There's yeah. still that chance. No, no, no hardware, no software is is hacker proof. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. Yeah. Even apart from the hacking aspect, if someone sits outside my house and uh, they they start downloading gigabytes after gigabyte of data and just totally sucking up all of my bandwidth, that that does affect mm -hmm. me. I mean, if mm -hmm. I had this situation, I'm trying to do a podcast and I've got, you know, a Skype running and I've got a, uh, other things I'm trying to load from the internet and then someone's sucking up all my, my bandwidth and I've got, you know, the rest of my family online. 
and suddenly my my connection starts dying, you know, because the mm-hmm. that pipe is only so big. And then I have concerns about what if someone does something illegal via mm-hmm. that yep. connection? Is there enough distinction that I'm not in trouble? That's always worries me about that. That's why I shut off. You know, early, in the early days of Wi-Fi, people left their their uh, routers open so that other people could use them driving by. Mm-hmm. I shut that off early. I you know locked it down because I was worried about precisely the thing yep. about somebody doing something illegal, driving up in front of my house and doing something illegal, and yep. me getting blamed for it. There's because otherwise I, I have no defense, and that concerns me too. So I I would turn this off. If it, if I was a Comcast customer, I'd be I'd be finding out how to turn this off anyway. So I can't really I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm all for helping people, and I think maybe Rhode Island has it right by using the mobile companies, even though it's yeah. not as fast mm-hmm. a system perhaps as broadband. But that that this kind of concerns me because mm-hmm. right. I want to be helpful. Everybody should have the chance and have access. But yeah, I was one of those people in the beginning, too, that had it open and said, no, I'm closing this because somebody strange is going to sit outside my house for days. Remember a few years ago, you know, 15 years ago, how many uh, municipalities were setting up public Wi-Fi, like just walking mm-hmm. around town. You mm-hmm. go, And all that went away. I mean, I think there are still some of those around, but much of that went away, if you notice. And I think partly because well, of the expense and the and the difficulty of maintaining it. And in many places, it, it, is, it was actually made illegal. Comcast oh. and their cronies actually made it illegal in some places to run like a public Internet service, even if it's public Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, it's different from like saying a library. Yeah. But to have like a whole city, yeah. you know, you, anywhere, if you're anywhere in your city, you have Wi-Fi through the city. That's, that's actually illegal in some places, which is stupid, which is so stupid. Yes. But that's, a, that's, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother. But that, yeah. that does kind of lead me to say, maybe we should hoist uh, Comcast on its own petard in this case, then and make me and say, maybe because they've done that, we should make them give free Wi-Fi yeah, to the, to the, poor, the poor school kids <laughs> at home. There you go. <laughs> so there's a little that uh, coming home to roost for them. Uh, so let's uh, a little bit more. Uh, Joanne, you kind of referred to this, this next story. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple's out there uh, doing a little humble bragging about the the There's iPhone. about it. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> uh, the iPhone has uh, saved the broadcast industry. I mean, so much of what people are seeing on TV these days and in streaming, too, uh, is being done via a phone in some celebrities or journalists or whatever home. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ones they point out was uh, American Idol. The way mm-hmm. that the show is being produced now is that there's a they're sending special uh, studio kits out to contestants and judges, including iPhone 11 Pros, a tripod and a ring light. And then they're doing their their, you know, uh, audition, their performance on mm-hmm. the can- on the phones. Uh, and and you see this all over the place. You see these people. I, what was it that that I, I watched ten minutes of it? The Tiger King special. Oh, oh I yeah. haven't seen that. With uh, what's his name? The actor from Community. Uh, I forget. But he was interviewing the people who had, who were on Tiger King, and they all were sent phones, iPhones, to record themselves on it as you know for the documentary. I mean, this is it's kind of amazing to think how far we've come with these devices mm-hmm. that they, they can produce broadcast quality. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. And, and and I was very open with some friends of mine saying that this pretty much revived Idol this year because <laughs> it did because taking it into their homes, not missing a beat. These kids are now listening to, you know, to musicians in their ear, trying to perform. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very comfortable with YouTube. So this is not too foreign for mm-hmm. them. Yep. But they do. They send them a kit, three iPhone 11 pros, um, one ring light and they and the mounts and then all the audio stuff. And they're producing very good. I have a 4K TV. It looks great. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it sounds great, and I think it's a heck of a lot better than Zoom. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. So, hey, some people are doing Zoom for for oh, TV streaming, but I I I think that kids are going kids are going to adapt to this. I think the younger ones are going to adapt to this, and mm-hmm. who knows who's going to come out of it? Whether they might start shooting, you know, socially distant, proper stuff together on these things. You know, it could be leading it to that. 
for for a while. I mean, that's been one of the things that you know, as priests, we've been talking about. You know, how do we do live streams? Yep. Mm. You know, and one of the concerns, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there: YouTube, get rid of your hundred or your thousand subscriber or uh, thousand follower limit on Amen. using your phone as live streaming. That's so stupid. Well, it's you know, it's for embedding. You can live stream to your channel, but to embed it on a site, no. No, you don't even have the option on the phone to do it. Oh, from the phone. A, from the phone, yeah. From the phone. See, I can do I was able to do live stream from my laptop. Yeah. And embed it on my website. And I've only I got less than a hundred subscribers. Oh, okay. But But to live stream from your phone, you need a thousand followers. Yes. But, but the, the but the phones, I mean the cameras on these are so good. People have been doing that on Facebook. They've been doing it on mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube, they've been, you know, they've been doing all these live streaming Zoom meetings and so on like that on their phone. And it looks maybe not as good as a, you know, it looks as good as a studio quality camera from about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look as good as the top of the line 8K right. cameras they're using today. Yeah. But you take a camera from about 10 years ago when 4K started getting big. That's what these cameras can do. These, and it's on a thousand dollar phone. Or maybe even less. Or an iPad. I'm live streaming my parish's masses on an iPad. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it it looks pretty darn good with the lighting in the room. And, you know, I think this is going to be the future for some folks. I tell you, if I didn't own a a really good webcam right now, so I don't use the built-in webcam on my Mac uh, anymore because they're Mm -hmm. really bad. (laughs) So I use use a Logitech CNET. I can never remember C920 or C290, whatever it is, uh, which is the, the standard from for years and years. Uh, and they have newer ones that are even better. But if I didn't have mm-hmm. one of those, I'd be using my iPhone with a, a little software called an app and then software you install on your Mac called Echo Cam mm-hmm. uh, or yep. Eco Cam. I figure what it's uh, and it's inexpensive. It's like 10 bucks. You can you can get it for free at low res, but the high def is like t- is a $10 uh, straight up. And I would be using that. Right, right now mm-hmm. to to do every to do everything because the quality is even better than the Logitech. Um, I, yeah, I don't see, I don't do a lot of live streaming, but you know that's Android has has something very similar called Droid Cam that does you know same thing where you can stream your video right and pop it up on your your computer and it, it's a broadcast it's it. a video source right. So it's interesting and and like you said, Joanne, this generation the, these these are people who are who are comfortable making YouTube videos on their phones. So this is, mm-hmm. yeah. this is nothing new to them. And this is, I think where we're going with this. Yeah, I do. I do too. And like I said, these kids haven't missed a beat. Right. L- you know, literally and figuratively. Fun, they haven't missed a <laughs> beat. So I think this is going to be something if we go into a second half, you know, of this, of the virus in the fall, kids aren't going to miss a beat. They'll, they'll okay. just keep going. Now this might <laughs> spell the, you know, the death knoll might be sound for such things like soap operas, because how do you do that on a camera? But you right. know, it, it's the way of the world. Yeah, you'd you be surprised, I'm sure. You can't oh, collapse might, into each I other's hope. arms over uh, social distancing. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's uh, move on to our last segment, and uh, we're going to get do our picks of the week. And I'm going to start with Father Corey. Father Corey, what's your pick this week? So all the hardware I bought. Uh, for this this Hackintosh, I bought mostly from one site. And it's called Newegg. Now, this is a site that has been around forever. Oh, it yeah. actually predates Amazon. Mm-hmm. It you know it's been around that long. And when it started out, its focus was computer components. You know, you want to buy a motherboard, you want to buy a, a, a processor, video card, whatever. You can order it from Newegg, and they're generally pretty competitive. Actually, there there were parts that I found that I bought from Newegg that were the same price on Amazon. So they're pretty competitive and everything, but they're, they're nice because a lot of hardware stores, whether it is uh, like Best Buy and things like that, they don't stock a lot of the components, the parts of a computer, the cases, stuff like that. They stock a full computer. Right. They stock keyboards, mice, video, you know, uh, webcams, things like that, but not like a video card or, you know, the chips or anything like that. And so Newegg's great for that, but they've gone so much more than just components and computer systems. They've got all kinds of TVs and other electronics. They've got car parts, or not car parts, but car equipment, you know, accessories and things like that, you know, sports, sporting stuff, you know, fitness stuff, things like that. I mean, they tools, they got about everything. But if you're looking for, you know, real hardcore computer stuff, whether it's hardcore systems, pre-built systems, or 
components for a computer to build a Hackintosh or a Windows computer or upgrade a computer or whatever. Newegg's a good source for that. I've, so I've used them a lot for buying like hard drives to upgrade uh, computers yeah. and stuff like that too. Yeah, good, good, good pick. Joanne, what's your pick? Well, I have a skill and an app for things that people already have, so they don't have to go out and buy anything this time around. Uh, the first one was actually suggested to me by a, a teacher friend of mine. It's a Amazon Alexa skill for children called Yak Talk Back. And what it does is it, it, it gets kids to answer questions. So you, it's, um, the kid hmm. gives children short stories followed by three questions to get them to talk about their day and their feelings. Because apparently being home with their kids, parents are having a tough time trying to find out what their kids are thinking about this whole <laughs> thing. They haven't had a chance. They haven't, they haven't developed the skill of talking to their kids every day, probably. So this skill apparently is very good. My friend is an elementary school teacher, and she said that parents have been flocking to it. because. Nice. And, and she said, if I can figure it out, anyone can. So it's it's apparently a very easy skill. I guess you ask her, the A lady to find this skill and it will, you know, put it on your, your device. And then every day the children get to hear a different story with these three questions. And it can be right. a, a, the beginning for family discussion. So that's, I, go ahead. I was going to say, the only thing I could think of, though, was the song, Yakety Yak, yes. Don't Talk Back. <laughs> and, when, and when looking it up on Google, that's what you get a lot, unless you get real specific <laughs> to find it. So you have to make sure you put Yak Talk Back Alexa Skill. Right. And it will yep. actually, and it'll still give you Yakety Yak, like, you know. Oh, of course, you still above. get the, the YouTube video and everything. Yep. Of course. The other one I have is out of a out of a necessity to let folks know that they don't have to be huddling around their devices or computers to watch these live streaming masses we've all decided to start doing. So there is a an app for your Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Android TV, Samsung, even your Xbox called Facebook Watch. And when you download this app and then sign on with your Facebook account, all of a sudden, all those videos you've been seeing in your Facebook show up here on a big screen. This is how my husband and I started watching our live stream mass from our parish because uh. I kept trying to, you know, airplay it on there and then something would happen or somebody would call me and, you know, but this is a dedicated app that will just stream mm. all of the videos that you that you normally watch on at Facebook. So, and a lot of people don't know about it. When I saw this app, I'm like, why would I, why do I want to put fa Facebook on my Apple TV? You know, and I'll, I'll just watch it. But that's actually a, a valuable use case. A lot mm -hmm. of live, Father Corey, just like you said, YouTube mm -hmm. uh, restricts uh, priests from live streaming their masses on YouTube. So a lot of them are live streaming it to Facebook, but that means you can only watch them on Facebook. So this is a way to get yep. it on the big TV for the whole family to watch. That is exactly that is an excellent point. The one that's missing is Roku, and I don't know why. <laughs> I could guess Roku is <laughs> uh, Facebook probably wants something uh, in exchange for putting on Roku. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> oh, oh, good. All right. Two good ones. Mine is a little bit of a technical one, but I'm just going to suggest it anyway, and you can check it out if you're interested. Uh, we all know about VPNs. Hopefully we do, which are virtual private networks. It's a way to secure your traffic when you're out and about. If you're out using a public Wi-Fi network like the Xfinity Public or Starbucks or whatever, you turn on a VPN and it encrypts your traffic encrypts your traffic between your device, your computer, your phone, your iPad, uh, and uh, the other end of the VPN, which then connects to the net, uh, the internet. Well, DNS is not encrypted. Uh, in fact, uh, you, so all of your searches, uh, you know, every time you enter in an, uh, a web address, if you type www.google.com, that becomes a number, which is the actual address of the uh, of the web server that you're connecting to or the w or various web services. Um, and that's not encrypted. And that's some people say that's not a big deal. I don't care if anybody knows what sites I go to. I'm not going anything crazy. Well, one of the things that also that also can happen is you can have spoofing and 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 redirection, um, but also these uh, cookies and other trackers and bots and other things that are on websites or in apps that want to uh, take over. They want to give out information, leak your data, leak your privacy uh, over the internet. Well, what Next DNS does is you can put it on your computer, 
You can put it on your uh, Android, iOS, Windows, Linux, Mac, Chrome OS devices, even some routers. So you can protect your whole home at once. And it will encrypt your, not only encrypt your, your DNS, but it will also uh, create some security. So it will block known um, uh, trackers. Um, it will block, uh, you know, sometimes like these ad bots. Um, it will um, use Google's safe browsing. Google has a safe browsing uh, system that blocks malware and phishing domains so that someone can't click on a phishing email and get, you know, they could technically, but but are, if they do, they're likely to get blocked by Google's safe browsing so you don't get uh, out there. Um, it will block, if, if you um, typo squatting, so if you, if you, uh, if you're trying to type google.com and you type google with with three zero three o's or one by mistake uh actually i think google's probably fixed that you know they probably bought all those domains but but if you mistype a domain name you'll end up at this other site well this protects you from that um and will even protect you from um with the help of project arachnid uh which is operated by the canadian center for child protection it'll block domains that host um child abuse material just without going into too much detail so it, you can't even accidentally end up anywhere you shouldn't end up so uh, really nice. really cool it has a blacklist feature so you can say you know this isn't on your list of places to block but this is a problem for me so don't ever let uh, me go to this domain also it's a whitelist if it accidentally or un, uh, unfortunately blocks certain domains for you like uh, a lot of uh, mail lists um, you know like email lists like mailchimp and others with the emails you get to click on the link, it, it's a tracking link to help them keep their analytics, but it blocks those. And they're like, Oh, I want to be able to click on the link in the email I get from rei.com. Uh, so don't, don't block that one. So you can put those in as whitelists. Um, there are parental controls so you can shut down your kids, uh, apps and games uh, when they oh. shouldn't be using them <laughs> <laughs> or enforce safe search or uh, YouTube, you know, restricted modes and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, it'll give you analytics. Like for example, in the last 30 days, my three devices that I've got this installed on so far uh, have made f nearly half a million DNS queries and blocked wow. 35,000 of them. Uh, wow. So, wow! Yeah, and it it breaks it all down about blo blo things that it's blocking. Uh, and uh, I've got one interesting one here. Uh, so it says IP addresses making the queries. So one uh, is the Verizon. So that's my uh, home router and my. Uh, so that's my home router. One is AT and T. That's what my phone is on. But then there's a Home Depot IP address, and I'm like, what? Where? What Home Depot? What's Home Depot doing? accessing <laughs> the internet for like what i don't have any home depot electronics that have wi-fi capability mm. do i so I, I i need to track that one down that's when i'm I'm very curious about how that happened uh but anyway it's uh next dns.io it is free for most almost all the features i'm pretty sure that i'm trying to think of what if, if there's a paid part of it i haven't run into a need to pay yet um it's okay. It's free for up to 300,000 queries a month, which is, you know, again, I've, I've done 172,000 so far this month and it's halfway through. I may run into that and, but I'm an active user. Um, and I've only got three devices. If I had all my family's devices on it, I'd, I'd go over that, but you can then get unlimited for starting at $2 a month. So hmm. that, not That's a huge cheap. amount. Yeah. So it, will everyone need this? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm a little more paranoid than most, I think, but I want to be careful on the internet. So mm. uh, this is, I, I, I decided that this is something I want to uh, pursue at this point. We'll see how it goes. All right. So I think that should do it for us. Uh, those are all good picks. Uh, so before we go, I do want to, you know, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of technology, including Stan S, Thomas M, Ninth Hour Design, Alfredo B and Joe T, their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Go a little fast there. All right. So if what do you think of our discussion? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology. 
or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or sending an email to technology at sqpn.com. And we'll put all the links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you could, please, we really do appreciate, because we haven't gotten one in a while, a review of the podcast, an Apple podcast, or one of the podcast directories. And uh, also share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow our community of listeners. The, the bigger our audience, the better we are. Uh, that, that's not just pandering. That's actually true, because it gives us more feedback and more ways to hear from you to say what you want to hear from. So that's always better for, for all of us. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>